Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Wednesday. It is December the 6th, and today is a fateful day in many ways. It is the four-year anniversary of an event that many of you have forgotten. In fact, most of America has forgotten. I don't ever hear it talked about. But there was a terrorist attack four years ago on this day in Pensacola, Florida, and we're going to talk about it because it needs to be discussed. It's something that uh, reveals the enemy within and something that our government continues to do, allow people in that are dangerous and oftentimes are coming over not because they are good for America, but because they're good for America's pocketbook. And specifically, they're good for American pocketbooks that are involved in the military-industrial complex. There is a significant and potential threat that exists on many military bases, especially in the training commands. I used to be stationed at Lackland Air Force Base, and what I saw on a regular basis was a bunch of men who did not look like military fighters. They looked like terrorists. Now, many of them are not. I'm sure they're not. But seeing men in camouflage with big beards that have all kinds of Islamic writing all over their shoulders is a very unsettling thing for people who don't know that that's going on on a regular basis. We actually used to eat in the, eat in the same chow halls, these guys. We watched them hold hands. A couple of men walking around in uniform holding hands is very unsettling to young airmen. And I was not even that young. Uh, my buddies who were older always looked at this and said, when is this going to go wrong for us? And it did go wrong for us on December 6th of 2019 at the Pensacola Naval Air Station. We're going to be talking to a sheriff's deputy who responded to an active shooter that was, in fact, an act of terrorism on one of our military bases. So that's going to be where we go with the show. But we're going to start off with a little bit more good news and a little bit more of what happens, uh, what happened yesterday. If you missed our live stream, we're going to kind of break it down into a couple of little bites. There were really only three speakers that made any difference for me whatsoever. There were a lot of sycophants. There were a lot of bootlickers. And uh, that happened on both sides of the aisle. But there were three people that actually landed a few punches on my old boss, Chris Ray. So we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about a little bit of the things going on, the confusion that exists. Apparently, uh, members of Congress don't understand something so simple that we talked about at the beginning of this week. And uh, then we'll bring on Steve Sharp for the second half of the show. Uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and say thanks to one of our sponsors. In particular, we want to say thanks to 4Patriots.com. You can go to 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. And today we're going to be featuring some of the stuff they have under their RV camping uh their RV camping tab, all kinds of good stuff in there. And uh, my favorite is that there's all these fire starters. My wife actually has this really strange habit of buying things that start fires. She will buy like 100 packs of matches if they're on sale. I don't know why she does it, but she does. Uh, these are kind of like my favorite things. Fire starters are the things that separate men from the animals. In fact, the Greeks even knew that fire starting was sort of like a power of the gods. Uh, it's one of the original sins for giving man fire, the ability to create heat and warmth and to cook and to take light places in the dark. That's one of those things that uh, we've always seen rivaled sort of the quote unquote powers of the gods. And so if you guys want to harness the powers of the god, you can go to fourpatriots.com slash Kyle and get the discount on either the, the flash flame weatherproof fire starters, the various other things. If you go camping, you guys know. And if you're in the dark, you also know it's not a great place to be where you are cold, wet, hungry, and you have no access to fire. It's one of the first priorities at survival school, it turns out, that you have to be able to do. It's one of the tests for survival instructors. You have to be able to get chest-high flames in under a certain amount of time. I don't know if it's two minutes or five minutes, but it's very, very short because you can die from exposure if you cannot create flame. 
it's required. So check out fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. Go ahead and get a discount on anything you want to buy there and look into their fire starter options. Like I said, doesn't matter whether it's camping or survival. Great stuff to do. Let's launch. Are you ready, Ryan? Are you ready for this? Because this is going to be kind of a banger of a show. Let's I do think it. we got a lot going on here. So uh, yesterday we saw some coverage of my whistleblower disclosure. Somebody actually tweeted at me and said, Kyle, you were just validated in that hearing. Let me just tell you, folks, I was validated when Garrett O'Boyle came forward. Because what I said was that the attorney general may have lied about using counterterrorism resources on parents at school board meetings. Garrett O'Boyle validated that right away, and I have felt just fine ever since. Um, my self-doubt stopped sometime in December of 2022. If you don't look at yourself and go like, oh my God, did I miss the thread? Then you're probably a psychopath. But I didn't have that experience after that point because over and over we've been vindicated. And that is actually a gift, I think from God, that we have been vindicated over and over about the things that we have claimed are going on at the FBI. And the FBI continues to prove us correct. And every time that I had any bit of, of self-doubt, either another whistleblower came forward to us or another story broke internally about how evil, corrupt, and wicked the members that we were actually going after with. Ryan and I were laughing just before we got started. I got a message from George Hill today. Um, every once in a while, George is my favorite of the suspendables in many ways because he's the closest to me, but he's many years advanced. And so he's much grumpier and much more angry than I appear to you. I'm every <laughs> bit as angry as George Hill, I think, but he just doesn't care about hiding it anymore. So that's kind of fun for me. And whenever we have these conversations, he sent me something about some of the people that I've connected him with. We're working on a bunch of projects in the back. Uh, you guys don't know about them and you don't need to know about them until they go public. But let's just say what we do on this podcast, what we do on Twitter and other social medias is not the extent of the advocacy and the fight that we are engaged in against the federal government when it comes to transparency and trying to move the needle forward so this country stays free. And the fun thing for me is that George just said, "What he goes, what have you gotten me into? <laughs> he sent me this audio message, laid out some scenarios that I've kind of looped him into. I've, I've connected him with some people that he's going to be meeting up with. And uh, I said, you know me, I just like to push the envelope and I just knew you were the right guy for this particular task. And he said, boy, did the FBI F up when they effed with you. <laughs> I just have to laugh. There's something very funny to think about it. They just picked the wrong guys. They picked me and Steve and Garrett and they let George go and he's not, you know, bound by anything. He's going to operate within the uh the confines of what is appropriate under his NDAs, but he's still going to expose things that are public and that are everybody's business. So, one of the things that we did, obviously as you guys may know from watching the show, we exposed the radical traditional Catholic uh Intel product which has been a thermal exhaust port on the FBI's Death Star. If you don't watch Star Wars. If you're not that kind of a person, first of all, uh, you might be un-American and you may want to check yourself. They have openings in communist countries you can move to. But if you do not know what I'm, and it's just by no fault of your own, you've never actually seen that or you didn't realize what it was. When Luke Skywalker drops into the trench and he flies down with the X-Wing, he drops these two photon torpedoes or whatever the hell they are, the heat-seeking missiles that go and you watch them on the kind of the 80s screen. They go down, they hit the center of the Death Star and explode. That was the thermal exhaust port. They were able to cite it because of what it was. They had to ex, you know, put the gas out into the, into the uh, space. And so he He's able to attack the Death Star through that one little minor vulnerability, right, um, which was perfectly made for Hollywood so he could get in there and fly a very low-flying mission with the uh, early CGI. All that is to say is the FBI left something open, and they didn't know about it. And we found it on accident, but we found it anyway because they were attacking Christians. They were attacking Catholics, but they were attacking Christians in general. And that turns out to be something that you really ought not to do in this country, a country that was literally founded— on free religion, on free speech, and the ability to practice your religion the way that you saw fit. That's why people came here, 
We sort of celebrate that every year at Thanksgiving. This is the season. We're walking into uh, Advent right now, and so that is the, the celebration of the coming of Christ. That is a big deal. There's a reason why it's a national holiday. You know, it's a federal holiday for American federal workers, and it's not because of, of Santa, and it's not because of presents. It's because it is a Christian nation at heart, whether we like to acknowledge it or not. And that's very interesting to me. And when you decide to target Christians with your premier federal law enforcement agency, you've made a major mistake. So they've made a lot of mistakes. One of them was making an enemy of me. They had no idea who they were getting into, and that's fine. Um, you know, I'm nothing special in many ways, except that I just have a stronger will. And then we've forged friendships and relationships. And there are people in the FBI who don't want to see this. So uh, let's pull it up right real quick. The new report, this is coming from the press releases page from the Judiciary Committee. And uh, obviously, the Judiciary Committee at the House, this is run by Jim Jordan. It's something that uh, also owns the Weaponization Subcommittee. And we made the third paragraph. They basically said today they released this uh, this new document entitled The FBI's Breach of Religious Freedoms, the Weaponization of Law Enforcement Against Catholic Americans. Like I said, that thermal exhaust port. They talk about the memorandum that painted so-called traditionalist, radical traditionalist Catholics as violent extremists and proposed FBI opportunities to infiltrate the Catholic Church. You just cannot say that enough times how absurd it is. Here it is, paragraph three. In February of 2023, the committee began oversight after whistleblower Kyle Serafin, yours truly, revealed the existence of the Richmond Memorandum on Internal FBI Systems in April of 2023 after the FBI failed to fully cooperate with oversight. Jordan's committee issued a subpoena to Director Ray requesting documents to the memoranda. The committee and the select subcommittee's oversight shows that the FBI abused its counterterrorism tools to target Catholic Americans as potential domestic terrorists. Now, it went on and on. The reason they know about it, they know that they went after a, a priest and a choir director. This happened apparently in the Milwaukee field office, apparently also happened in Portland and Los Angeles. They were originally saying that this was a single situation. This was one field office. We've got a couple of clips. They were related to this. Let's start with Senator Josh Howley's. Very good performance, I will say, uh, yesterday. He was the only one. He, he takes the title for the most number of hits landed on Chris Ray. So let's go ahead and run video number one. You guys get a little taste if you missed the hearing. This is the key parts that you missed. There were about five minutes or seven minutes of Josh Halley doing this. Video number one, let's roll that one. But I can tell you that we don't investigate people for their exercise of their constantly protected, constitutionally protected religious expression. I, I that particular can't. intelligence product is something that as soon as I saw it, I was aghast. I had it withdrawn. Really, you were aghast. I was. And, oh, really? Yes, and what sir. have you done about it? Did you fire the people who wrote it? No, I had it withdrawn. Have you fired anybody involved in it? Senator, if you would give me a chance to answer That's a your yes question. or a no. It's not hard. Have you fired anyone involved in the writing of that outrageous memo about which, frankly, you've repeatedly misled the public? Yes or no? The individuals involved have in that product fired were anyone? not, just a minute, were not found to have engaged in any intentional or bad faith conduct. And in fact, in fact, Senator... A number of the individuals so the involved. No. A number of the individuals involved in writing that product in the Richmond office were themselves Catholics. So the notion oh, I see. that so they were targeting they, their own oh, faith oh, so they is not a jail free card. I see. They, I see. So you're immune and they're that. immune. So we shouldn't ask questions about it. You haven't done a darn thing. You haven't fired. Any <laughs> he goes on later on to say that uh, I feel so much better knowing that you sent these people to bed without their supper which is very funny. Uh, Josh Howley is a father, and I know that that hits home with me. If, if that's what you did to your kids, first of all, it's probably child abuse in, in, in 2023. But the idea that these people, they, they, he mentions that they admonished them 
that was prominent. There was an admonishment, which means it was written down. I know all of you are quaking at the thought of FBI supervisory intelligence analysts getting admonishments that may affect their compensation at the end of your review. That's literally what Chris Ray said in his defense. He stated that they were admonished and that they were told that they were bad, 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 very bad. But nothing happened. Nobody lost their job. They will be retrained, uh, maybe. But then Hallie also exposed how they were high-fiving and thought it was a great product. And the idea that this was a Catholic and therefore it was acceptable, um, it's not really a cover for the idea that the FBI would be getting involved in a First Amendment-protected activity. That's literally what the Bill of Rights tells us, that Congress shall make no law abridging the practice of our religion. That's key. That is the only thing that matters when it comes to this and the FBI. The FBI, as an extension of the government, has absolutely no ability to step in and decide whether there are good Catholics and bad Catholics. There are just people doing things in America that they have no business getting involved in. But we know that they censor speech from the Twitter files. We know that they get involved in this, and they are weighing down on the political scale. It's incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly stupid. And um, there is absolutely no remorse from that FBI director. And until he actually is held to account, nobody is going to hear it. He also went on to talk about the plane, which is also kind of my personal little pet peeve, uh, that he flies around in a $60 million jet and that he took a $9 million pay cut to do the FBI director job. All those things were sort of touched on briefly. You don't see any clips of those on the Internet, but I did think he did a pretty good job of bringing up, making sure that Chris Ray understood that uh, we know that when he flies that very expensive jet around, and he cost the taxpayers twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars every single week for his flights home to Georgia. That the uh, the cost to him is about two hundred dollars. It's it's cheaper for Chris Ray to fly on a private jet funded by you, the taxpayer, than it is for you to fly on probably Spirit Airlines because he can actually mix and match his flights for the cheapest possibility. That would be from different airports you couldn't even fly out of. He literally pays whatever the cheapest commercial is from the region he's in to the region he's going, but not to the specific air, uh, airports. How wild is that, folks? Pretty wild stuff on my end. Like I said, always fun to be able to make the news, always fun to be able to make it into the judiciary's uh, findings. This is the second time that we've done that. The suspendables continue to set the agenda for oversight with the FBI specifically, and then there are obviously whistleblowers from the IRS doing a great job. Let's uh, press onward with a couple of other highlights from that hearing. We've got another one, which is coming from Ted Cruz. I think Ted Cruz and Mike Lee took second place and shared it. They tied for it. So let's go video number two, the couple of hits from, from Ted Cruz sort of sending it. He's obviously very upset that the FBI continues to give one answer to Democrats and another answer to Republicans, which is in and of itself something that didn't get called out. And I think that was a mistake. What I'm getting at is if it's the Democrats and they ask, hey, can you tell us specifics about investigations that make the FBI look good? He goes, yeah, of course. Let me tell you all. Blech. And then he vomits out a bunch of information about an investigation. But when he talks about things that the, that the Republicans are asking questions on that are trying to do oversight, he says, this is an ongoing investigation. I'm going to hide behind it. This is Ted Cruz sort of hitting him on that. Go ahead and run that video, too. Have you opened an investigation into whether the attorney general lied under oath to Congress and whether the attorney general obstructed justice? I'm not going to go down that road here. I, I know you're not. That's the point. Nobody thinks you've opened an investigation because you're not willing to. And the amazing thing is, Director Ray, I've known you 30 years. You're not a partisan Democrat. You're simply sitting blithely by while career partisans in your agency allow it to be weaponized. And you are damaging the FBI and you are damaging the Department of Justice. He's not just damaging the FBI. I mean, he's damaged the FBI 
past tense. This has already happened. So uh, he's correct that Ray is sitting by. I do think that Ray does not direct a lot of this stuff, that he just allows it. And that's simply because, as he said to us, uh, he said to Fox News, he didn't say to anyone. I mean, he said he said it to the American public that he has oversight of the FBI. And as I mentioned to you guys many times on this show, when I was sitting in the Albuquerque's division when I was working in Las Cruces, he came in and the one thing he said to the employees there was that he didn't want to be bubble wrapped, which is to say kept away and insulated from the actual feelings and opinions and concerns of FBI employees. And then they started with the first question, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? I am not kidding you. This is the hard hitting questions he, he's willing to field from employees. The man is absolutely out of touch with what goes on in the actual FBI. He's only surrounded by sycophants and the so-called leadership, which are just managers that are trying to run this ship aground. And the second thing is they asked him, do you get recognized when you go to the grocery store? Just take a deep breath and think about that. That's the kind of things that they were allowing him to be asked. Not hard questions like, hey, how come you're running us aground and making it harder to go do this job, which is the real questions. So anyhow, this is the sad thing. Um, of course, the uh, Republicans did recognize this, and to greater and lesser degree, they were exposing it. Mike Lee did a pretty good job, too. Based Mike Lee is his uh, Twitter account. He shared a bunch of highlights from there. All of his accounts, all of his uh, clips are very long, but we're going to play this one, which we watched live yesterday. You guys can watch this. We'll cut it off at some point, but we'll let him run. This is a five-minute clip of which I will play probably 90 seconds or two minutes of. So let's go ahead and run video number six, Ryan, and uh, let people see what Mike Lee had to say as well. Don't worry about it. We've got this taken care of. We've got new procedures. It's going to be different now. It's never different. You haven't changed. And you keep referring to these policies, these new procedures. We haven't seen that. We're not even allowed to have access to it. And we have absolutely no reason to trust you because you haven't behaved in a manner that's trustworthy. You can't even, as we sit here, tell me that people who intentionally, knowingly, deliberately violated the civil rights of American citizens that, that they were fired or that they had their security clearance stripped. Now, in 2022, FBI and other agencies searched Americans' communications over 200,000 times, only 16 of which were evidence of a crime-only searches that returned information. I'd like to ask you to, to give a, a yes or a no uh, answer to these questions. Were the three related batch queries consisting of over, over 23,000 separate queries relating to the events of January 6th, were those evidence of a crime only queries, yes or no? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. The answer, what is, I can't, what, the answer is no, I, what I do I, know the answer. The answer what, is no. Were there 141 I, queries for the activists arrested in connection with the uh, George Floyd protests uh, here in Washington, D.C., evidence of a crime only queries? Those were non-compliant queries. Uh, and again, they all predate the reforms that we've put in place, which which Before echo we, other reforms that ever, other FBI directors have told me about to, every darn year. If How I about may. 19,000 donors to a political campaign? The answer there is no. What about the query for a sitting member of Congress? The answer there is no. What about the query involving a U.S. senator, which for all we know could be any one of us? The answer is no. And That's so good, what, right about what does that tell me? Well, what, what it tells you is that Mike Lee is actually naming out federal crimes committed by the FBI on a regular basis right there. These are things, these are failures of the Bureau to check itself and the statement that Chris Ray is that we have given out training. Let me just tell you as someone who's been on the recipient end of said training. The training looks like a PowerPoint presentation given over a video called Virtual Academy, either in a classified or a non-classified environment, depending on the topic. 
that's it. It's the same thing that I got when uh, I got a video. We were just talking about this the other day, and I think Steve Friend may cover this on Saturday's podcast. So if you're not following Amrad Pod, the American Radicals podcast, check that out. It's one of the other channels that is underneath the Kyle Seraphin banner here. Uh, Steve Friend and Garrett Boyle, they do it on Saturdays. So one of the things that we were laughing about is that once they did the crossfire hurricane, again, a, an abuse of federal authorities and a, a violation of federal law in the way that they lied to the FISA court, one of the things that they did in order to correct this problem was they gave out training. And the training was a video of Chris Ray saying, I don't want uh, people to think that I'm just doing this video to talk to the employees and that I'm not holding the management accountable. So let me send out this video to all the employees while the managers are in the room with me and they can listen to me say this thing. And then he just went on and did some platitudes because it was absolute garbage. And then they made us go through this long PowerPoint presentation, whether or not you ever had any work with FISA or that you were ever going to even deal with FISA in the course of your job. And you learned that FISA uh, is not allowed to be abused against people like the president of the United States. Okay. It's very, very bad. And yet obviously it happened. It, it It's absurd. The people that actually feel the wrath of this oversight are never the people that are actually driving that train of evil. And I say evil because when you break the federal law and you claim with a lot of pride that you had a 98% compliance ratio, we were talking about this on the thread yesterday, but I'm gonna give it just a little touch. I swear to God, if you told me that you served 250,000 meals and you only poisoned you know, people who received 5,000 of them, would that be a success for your restaurant? No, you'd be sued out of business. You would lose the property. You would lose everything in your company. It would all go away because you had poisoned 5,000 people. And that's what the FBI does. It's 2% of its searches, one in 50 of them are inappropriate and they are done wrong and they must not be allowed to continue to do that. And yet that was his, uh, that was his celebratory moment that we, you know, that the FISA court, which has no standing to judic adjudicate whether or not 702 is appropriate was constantly saying that uh, they have no authority to do it. And so therefore it probably is fine. And then the second thing that he was so excited about was that they had a 98% compliance, which is a 2% failure. You win if you're in a high school algebra class and you get uh, a 98% on your test. You lose if you're the FBI and the 2% are violations of the constitution for which you are sworn to uphold. Looks like we got a lot of new people in the chat today. So we're really appreciative that all of you guys have joined us here. Um, I am grateful that you continue to join and, and and spread this channel. And many of that is for you longtime listeners that have started off beginning of this year and have been pushing it out there. So thanks so much. If you guys like what you're hearing and you're on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin, give us a like, give us a thumbs up on there until it turns green. Make sure we bump those things up. When you do so, it actually puts us on the leaderboard. The leaderboard lets people see it live. The more that we are moving live, the more that you are in the chat, the more people are able to find the show as well. Sometimes we have to just do it organically. We're doing it ourselves. We've been building this airplane since we threw ourselves off the mountain from the beginning. That's kind of how this works out. Uh, really appreciate it for all of you guys being in there. Let's do a quick thanks to a sponsor too. Let's do Patriot Coolers if you would. I know I said something else probably, Ryan. Ryan likes it because I like to uh, give him an idea of what we're going to do for the show and then I just make it up as I go afterwards. Patriot Coolers. <laughs> <laughs> this definitely wasn't the order. <laughs> I know. I, I just figured that out right now. But oh, I'm sitting here awesome. looking over. I was like, I, I kind of want some of my coffee. I'm drinking out of my Patriot Cooler right here. Uh, this is a newer one that I recently bought. This is the 16-ounce tumbler, folks. If you were looking for a Christmas gift, these are outstanding options. Uh, they've got great stuff on there, whether it be for the hard-sided coolers, the soft-sided coolers. I started using their tumblers on duty when I worked for the FBI. Um, I was doing it as a... Um, oh, uh oh we got a call coming in. We're getting our call coming in. Yeah, give me one second, because we'll bring him on in just a second. But, yeah, uh, let's do it. The... Uh, let's just bring Steve on. Yeah, so anyway, Patreon let's coolers, check them out. Use promo code KYLE, and you guys can uh, can pick up any of their, their products for a 10% discount. 
And uh, let's see what else is down there. Yeah, great Christmas gifts. Let's bring on Steve. Let me unplug this thing real quickly. Are you getting a little tick in the background right now, Ryan? I am, sir. All right, give me one sec, because I'm going to have to disconnect the, uh, the board real quick. Folks, the weirdest yeah. thing about this is that we've got a really great piece of technology that has one weird quirk. And the quirk is, is that it decides that it dislikes us if we don't answer as a phone soon as call. we go live. Yeah, well, that's part of it, too. But let me just bring the sucker on here. So we're going to call Steve Sharp. We're going to be talking about this thing, which is, uh, like I said, a distant memory for many of you, maybe even not a memory at all. And yet it is something that I think is very important to talk about. And Steve's going to give us kind of a personal insight. He reached out to me on Twitter. Let's see if we can get him on here. Tell me if you can hear this coming in. Can you hear that? Yes, sir. Wonderful. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to hang up on you. I was right in the middle of an ad read, but we're going to keep going on with it. Let's. Uh, let's well, let's... no, I, I didn't expect your phone to ring, so I hung up on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it leaves a ticking in the background on our on our phone, but I appreciate you uh, dialing in here, and I'm looking forward to having the kind of a chat about something that I think most Americans have forgotten about, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that's probably yeah. the case, other than where you live. So a little quick background. I know you spent 30 years in public safety from a bunch of different things. looks like you also had a firefighter and a paramedic background at one point. Is that accurate? Yeah, I started out as a volunteer firefighter here in uh, Pensacola. Did that for a while, worked as an EMT and a paramedic with the county here. Yeah, so your your resume was reading a lot like a lot of the stuff I have. You may know this, but I was a paramedic for, for a number of years. I still have a certification with that, and it's kind of funny to see that stuff on there. Uh, paramedics in law enforcement, kind of a special breed of people. I want to talk about specifically the day of. So let's set up the scene, if you would. Many people do not know this, but as I, I introduced on the show, December 6th of 2019 was a fateful day. You were working in what role at that point in time? Uh, I was working uh, patrol as a deputy sheriff, uh, we were beginning our, uh, four day rotation. We were on weekends and, uh, our shift starts at seven. So about six 30, I was heading, uh, North to the, my precinct at that time was in the central part of the, uh, County. So I was headed that way. A few minutes after, uh, you know, starting that drive dispatch came on and advised that there was a, I think it came out as a suspicious person with a gun on NAS on, you know, on the Navy base. And that was a little bit unusual that it was NAS, but, you know, here in Escambia County, we get, you know, people with gun calls all the time. So I continued on my way and it was probably a minute or so later. And then they toned out the active shooter and basically it came out that there was somebody, uh, dressed in a flight shoot, I'm sorry, flight suit uh, shooting at NES. So I immediately turned around and started, uh, you know, running lights and sirens uh, to the base. Uh, when you heard that Navy tone base, out, when that tone out changed, because suspicious person is always kind of like, that's a cautionary thing. Be aware, uh, be advised that this is happening. Right. But when you get the tone out, active shooter, and you know it's game on, what did that feel like? What, you know, what sort of sensations went through your body at that moment? Yeah, it's, you know, you know, the adrenaline kicks in, you're, you know, you start running through your head what, what the response is supposed to be. Um, and before I get into the details, what I will offer is that here in Escambia County in Pensacola, 
we train quite a bit for active shooters. Um, prior to joining the sheriff's office, I was actually director of security and safety for the school district here for about 12 years. Do you guys use and the alert protocol? 40... Have, have you used alert? No, not alert. No, okay. No. Um, but our school district has about 45,000 kids, 7,000 employees, I think 67 different schools. So even then we trained with law enforcement all the time. Mm-hmm. So, Every year, at least once a year, the sheriff's office does active shooter training, and it's pretty intense. It's not, you know, run down the hallway and, you know, pop off a couple of practice rounds. So anyway, so I'm heading that way, start listening to the traffic. The the third precinct, which is a southern precinct, is actually located maybe three quarters of a mile right outside the gate. So you had all those guys heading to muster also. So right now I'm guessing it's 6:40, 6:45. Well, when the call goes out, a lot of those guys are already in the parking lot or they're close by, so they immediately start heading to the base. Um, it might have taken them 30 seconds to a minute to get down there. Uh, and if you go back and listen to the audio, the issue we had initially when they got to the front gate, they didn't know where to go because we normally don't respond to the base. You know, it's handled by DOD and military Mm -hmm. and they were giving out a building, an education building and the entire base is a training facility, as you mentioned. Um, And they were given a few other landmarks, but nobody knew where to go. So they were at the front gate trying to get somebody to show them. And I don't have the specific time, but they probably sat at that front gate two to three minutes before they got actually directed on where to go. Let's let's believe so that, that for was, just one moment so people have an understanding of how long that is in this kind of an event. You said two to three minutes waiting at the gate trying to just get oriented to the base, correct? Yes, and that's my estimation. I don't, but sure, yeah, sure. It, it was longer than it should have been. And probably felt yeah. like it was about an hour and a half. For those oh yeah, months. because once again, I'm still responding mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, get them in there. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and what was the, the failure was, is a fail. You guys had not done training. You'd done training at schools. You'd done training in buildings that you were responsible for, but the idea that you would respond to the law and to the, uh, to the Naval base, had that ever entered at one of the scenarios you guys had, had worked through? Uh, no, I mean, no, there was never any training out there. Um, you know, specifically for the base. Uh, so, you know, that, that was an issue to begin with. Sure. They finally figured they finally figured it out and uh, they get to the location and they go in and the first guys go in there and they engage the shooter. Um, and once again, it wasn't that long. I don't have the exact time, but you could hear on the radio there were rounds going off. Um, and then I was probably a mile and a half, two miles away. Uh when the first uh, radio traffic came out that we had some guys down that had been hit. Uh, one of them was my my good buddy, Matt Tench. He's the one that took the round through the knee, but he's recovered and he's, you know, he's been back on on the road, you know, for quite a while. We're going to so, show uh, something. We're going to show something real quick for folks. Um, Ryan, if you pull up the ABC News, uh, if you're actually able to just show the entire Web page, Ryan, if you'll just scroll down through it, there's pictures of some of the people that survived yeah, the shooting. Give me a second. Yep. Uh, so, Steve, not only – we had three victims of this shooting. Is that correct? There were three people that were killed on that day? 
Yes, and, and then a few others that were shot. Yes, I, I think eight others were totally uh, were wounded from the articles that I've been reading. And, and I think a lot of people, mm -hmm. wrong, wrong article there, Ryan. Switch it over for me. We're uh, So we're just pulling this up on the screen so people can see it. But th all these people oh, yeah. have families. They all have faces. They all went on to live lives. And many of them you know, recovered from the, the shock of being involved in this particular. There you go. That's great. Uh, th they've got a, uh, you know, a story that they... Most people don't know this. Like a lot of people don't know that there was a very significant terrorist attack. This was ruled to be Al Qaeda related. Um, do you want to talk about what the experience was kind of doing the building clears as you guys kind of rolled in? And I know you were part of that team. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> by the time I got there, they had uh, they had taken out the what turned out to be the only shooter, although we weren't sure at the time if there was only one. Uh, as I pulled up, they were uh, just evacuating uh, Matt out of the building, helped get him loaded in a uh, in one of the uh, one of the Tahoes, and they took off to the hospital with him. Went inside. Uh, we gathered up uh, right, actually, right where what turned out to be the shooter. He was laying in the hallway dead, mm -hmm. and formed formed a couple of teams, and then just started going through methodically uh, clearing the building. And I know you were there. I mean, it's it's a big building. It's a two-story building with a lot of classrooms and offices. So I think we ended up with three or four teams that went through the building and, uh, you know, and worked that process. And, um, you know, luckily, fortunately, there wasn't another shooter. Um, you know, we went through some of the rooms where a couple of the other fatalities were. Uh, one was right inside uh, – well, I guess what you would call the welcome desk. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe he would be uh, first person to be shot. We did find uh, one employee that was hiding in a, in a locked room. We got him out. He wasn't injured. And, uh, but that process took, I would guess, say a good hour. And so just so under people understand what we're talking about, there was, there, there's no obvious answer that once you've got somebody uh, either down or in custody, that that's the end of this scenario, because you don't know what went on. You don't understand the planning. You're literally walking into it, knowing that somebody was shooting. There are people who are dead. There are people that are injured and you are now responding to mm -hmm. it. And you're responsible for basically securing an entire building. And in this case, this big complex, um, you, you alluded to it, but just so my, my listeners know, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I was actually tasked out to this. Uh, this happened. Is it on a was it on a Friday? Is that correct? Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, it was on a Friday. And and correct. I believe I got a call on that Saturday after they had got it done because what they were doing is the FBI was scrambling to figure out what in the hell do we do with this. This was a Saudi airman who was here training from Saudi Arabia. He was on a uh, a program that allowed foreign fighters to come in foreign military members to come in and train on our equipment because it's part of the deal. Many people don't realize how this works, but when the United States government agrees to allow a Boeing or a Lockheed Martin or whatever to sell a plane to another country, it almost always comes with a training component, which means they pay for that as well. And they send exchange students into U.S. military bases. That's who these guys were. They were Saudi pilots that were coming in to learn how to fly our equipment, F-15s, F-16s, whatever it may be, F-18s in this case, probably. And while they were learning that, these guys were radicalized, and they were a bunch of them. Do you know how many Saudis that they ended up uh, kind of rounding up? Were you aware of that? No, I don't know the total number. I know that day they found uh, several of them sitting in a car in the parking lot outside of the building. That's right. Um, you know, watching the event, and I'm not sure what happened with that. But yeah, um, I'm from Pensacola. My dad's retired Navy, and 
I mean, we've always had foreign flight students here. You know, Pensacola is known as a cradle of naval aviation. We're the home of the Blue Angels and a lot of really cool stuff like that. But I remember back when we used to have Iranian flight students here, even mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. So, yeah, that, you know, that that is an actual reality of what we're dealing with here. And, and a lot of these people are unknown. You're basically taking the uh, the nations that we are dealing with, in this case, the Saudi kingdom, that they are sending good people, that they vetted them appropriately. We don't have a way to vet them beyond what they vetted them. Uh, and, and to the credit, I guess, of the Saudis in this case, the, uh, the the airmen that were sitting there, the ones you mentioned in the car, there ended up being, I want to say, 12 of them. It was somewhere between 11 and 13, right right around there, maybe 11, maybe 13, maybe 12. And they they all kind of ran. They actually ran from uh, everybody, and they hid themselves in a mosque for shelter, which the Navy allowed. You may not be aware of this part, but this is kind of where my world came in. And then we were tasked with babysitting them, making sure they didn't come out of the mosque. I was actually given... I don't want to call them orders, but I was given instructions. Do not let them come out of the mosque. And I, and you know, my question was mm-hmm. always like, what are my authorities to be able to stop them? <laughs> like I'm a federal agent yeah. on a Naval base. What the hell do I have to do with these guys? Uh, you know, where's the Navy? Where's the guys that actually have authority on this base, but nobody knew what to do. And I think that actually is the story here as much as anything else. Um, are you aware that they, that they adjudicated this to be a terrorist attack within about 40 days that this was Al Qaeda inspired? Did you, did you follow that at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we followed as much as we could. And it was interesting once we left the base and, you know, both just as individual deputies. But after the initial couple of days when, you know, the FBI and DOD took over, we stopped hearing anything about this. It, you know, all the information shut down and um, we, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> What's what sort of after you action? Was, what I'm about. I do exactly. Yeah. The one way street that many people complain about from the local side and the and the state law enforcement that the feds get involved and then they stop hearing anything. Um, what would have what would have been things that would have been useful to you as a deputy on the street with this threat now, you know, a previously unknown threat on your naval base in your jurisdiction? What would you have liked to know? What sort of things would have been helpful coming back at you? Because I think this actually tells us about the bigger failure of federal law enforcement in a lot of ways. And many people have never heard this story before at all. This is total news to them that this happened four years ago. So I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about it right now. Yeah. Um, well, you know, just what were the precursors for this occurring? Um, you know, I going back to my time at the school district, I have a lot of training in from Homeland Security, you know, and all those other agencies. So, you know, I'm fairly well tuned into that kind of stuff. But we never had any indication, at least at the street level, that anything like this might happen. Um, you know, it, I mean, any of the information, which I'm sure they got quite a bit, you know, once you guys started digging into it, as to, you know, how long have these guys been living here? Where were they gathering to plot this out? Uh, what were their resources? What were their what was their source of information? You know, anything like that would have been extremely helpful. Now, because if, if there's other stuff going on out in the community, whether local or you know, with some of the uh, uh, adjoining jurisdictions or the state level, you know, we'll we'll get information about that. But you know, you don't get much from the federal level. A lot of things I think people will probably be surprised to learn that if you are a foreign military member here on a, a training visa like they are, that they actually have the access to go and buy firearms. That's what I was finding out. 
at that time. And it blew my mind that we were letting basically people who were sworn allegiance to another country who actually had fighting skills, they were allowed to go in and purchase weapon systems. Uh, do you know if Florida has any particular prohibition against that? Because some of these things can be limited on a state-by-state basis, but I don't think a lot of them are. No, I, I'm not aware of that in Florida. And I remember after it occurred, seeing that, yeah, he actually had gone out, purchased a firearm, and I think it was locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that logically, that doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, they're kind of friendlies, but we're letting a foreign military person walk around with a firearm. That just doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense to a lot of us. Do, uh, t- talk to me about your friend that was shot and uh, his experience, maybe sort of uh, what that, what, what was the aftermath after this event, which, like I said, many people don't even know happened. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, he took a round through the knee. He had to have surgery and he was out for a little while. Uh, he's, he's younger, I guess. He's my daughter's age. So at this time, four years ago, he was probably 27, 28, young kid, just a a really, really great guy. Um, We actually started at about the same time when I when I was at the South Precinct, the third precinct. So I worked the road with him for a little while. Just great attitude. Uh, He had surgery, went through rehab, uh, was out for three or four months. Uh, one thing we did for him, we actually held a fundraiser at one of the local breweries here, uh, Odd Colony Brewing, just to give them a plug mm-hmm. if you're ever here in town. And uh, we were able to raise about $6,000 for him. He continued to get paid, but as you know from law enforcement, a lot of people probably don't, especially the younger kids, they they work a lot of side jobs to make extra money mm-hmm. um, because you don't make a lot you know, as a deputy, especially a young deputy. Well, with or they, or they live on the overtime oftentimes where if they're not working extra hours, oh, yeah. it's, it's not enough for them to continue to pay their family, you know, their bills. Yeah. So uh, so he was unable to work his side jobs for, I don't know, three or four months. So we were able to raise uh, a little over six thousand dollars for him. But he went back on the road uh, three to four months later. He still at least the last I heard, I retired two years ago and it's been a couple of months since I've talked to him. But he's still working patrol in the third precinct, just out there, you know, getting getting it done. Is there a legacy uh, of, of this particular attack that has, has forged any kind of uh, camaraderie or joint training that you're aware of between the naval base and the, and the guys that were at the gate? I guess in the Navy, they're called the sergeants at arms. Is that is that correct? There's a name for them. I think they're called something uh, like that. No, they're... Uh, yeah, they're mastered arms. Mastered arms. That's what right. the, they used. To, they used to train yeah. at Lackland. So I remember seeing those guys doing all their training and, and doing breaching and whatnot. But interestingly enough, we had a bunch of guys. I assume some of them were like that were at the gate, just like they are in the Air Force. They have the security forces at the gate, but they were not capable um, of responding to this. It doesn't sound like, and I think they changed protocol after this happened. Well, I'm once again after the event, we pretty much stopped hearing everything. I know there was talk about you know being. Uh, having better coordination with the base, but on NAS, NAS is, I mean, yes, it's a military base, but you don't have, you know, combat units that are ready to stand up at a moment's notice. Right. You know, um, you do have Marines out there, but NAS is pretty much a training facility at this point. Um, but you have the, you have the military guys, uh, but then you have DOD. They have both, police and security they have both of those classifications so um you know i heard talk that they were going to do better training one one other thing i'll mention is the next day at mustard muster 
Saturday, uh, you know, we go in there, we're doing our little debrief and, uh, we were shown video of some of the responding first responding deputies, their dash cam. And as they're driving up to the building there, and I'm not sure if they were police or security, but they were DOD folks, not military. They were standing literally the block around the building, directing traffic. And we're, you know, we're sitting in mustering like, what are they doing? Why are they standing outside the building directing traffic? Why aren't they going in inside, going inside the building and engaging? And, you know, we never got that answer. And so, you know, from, from, from what I experienced, what I saw, there definitely could have been improvement on how the base handled it. Now, let me also say they had some guys that go in there that went in there. There was, I believe he was a captain with the DOD police. He went in there, was one of the first people to engage. He got shot. Um, there, and there were other people that engaged. I'm not saying they didn't do anything because there were guys that, that did what they needed to do. They went towards the fire. But there were, based on what I saw, what I experienced, yeah, I definitely had questions. Yeah, and just to reiterate what you just said, you said you the dash cam showed that there were people that were at least in the right uniform that seemed like they were probably armed that were standing outside directing traffic as opposed to going direct to threat. Do you want to talk about the difference, uh, particularly with the training for, for active shooters in the wake of, you know, since Columbine, it's sort of changed the book on it between the uh, barricaded and the uh, direct to threat and why that's so important? Yeah, yeah. You know, after Columbine, because, you know, the guys got there and they just, you know, without spending a lot, you know, they stayed in the parking lot, waited on SWAT. That used to be the, the standard procedure. After that, it changed. Uh, went from that, no, we need to go and engage. That's when they came up with, you know, with the diamond formation. You wouldn't, you got your four guys and you went and engaged. But then it even evolved from there to, no, we're not even waiting for four guys. And this is something that's been drilled into our heads here locally, I can tell you. But no, if you're the first guy there and you're hearing shots, you're going in and engaging. You know, you're, you're not waiting for anybody else. You know other people are coming. They're going to be there soon. But, you know, they, they figured out, which makes common sense, if, you know, even if it's just me or me and another guy and we go in there and we engage that guy and start, you know, throwing rounds at him, his, his focus is now on us and not dying instead of, uh, you know, him going and taking out other people. And uh, was it the shooter in Nashville? I think was the most recent one mm -hmm. where the video showed that those guys got there and they started going down the hall. They were going to where, you know, where the shots were coming from. And, you know, the guy went away from where he could shoot other people and kind of bear Well, he didn't barricade himself, but he took him, he took himself out of a position where he could hurt more people. And he was worried about defending himself. So it does, it works. And that that's been the evolution since Columbine. And what people show is in, in this particular scenario that the minute that these shooters, these people that are active shooters are confronted, one of two things happen. Either they shoot it out and they usually lose based on training and experience or mm. they they commit suicide because the minute they meet force, they right. decide that it's all over and they already had a plan to do that anyway. This is a murder suicide kind of pack. So really, really important stuff. And it sounds like you guys did the right thing. The one thing I was also we talked about last night just briefly, but it sounded like if 
and, and this is just a training failure. This is just the things that happen. You always find out where your weaknesses are when exposed to, to the real thing, not a scenario if you've never planned it before. Obviously, you guys hadn't. It could have taken one of those masters at arms, one of those gate guards to jump into the front unit that responded with the sheriff's deputies. And you would have had a faster response potentially by 90 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, which is a lifetime in the middle of these things. Is that more or less what we kind of came to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if just one guy, you know, like I said, or gotten in his own vehicle or had somebody come to the gate, you know, uh, that once again, I haven't seen the film, you know, from inside the building, which there is film, there is video. But I would assume that in that, like you said, 90 minutes to three or 90 seconds to three minutes, I would imagine at least one of those people were shot, you know. And so I, 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 my belief is that it could have made a difference somehow or another. Yeah. And then the downside is, is that, of course, you guys didn't get that after action. You didn't get the federal report afterwards saying, hey, this is what we want to share with you guys. This is what we went on. Uh, for what it's worth, I'll let you know that they had about, like I said, somewhere between 11 and 13 of those Saudis that were his buddies. They all got rounded up. They all hid in a mosque. We uh, ended up getting them out. We pulled them out and moved them to a barrack situation. And they were eventually deported from the United States, all of them to a man, as my understanding. Uh, and at one point in time, I was running around with pictures of each one of them that I individually took because I was, you know, arm's length away from all of those guys. And uh, and they were all not they were not remorseful for what their buddy had done. So whether they were yeah. uh, either compliant with or they were simply sympathetic to it, it is a real problem when you bring these people into this country and we let them come in with those sort of sentiments. And then they have access to weapons and they decide that they're going to exercise a terrorist attack. And then I think the worst thing is that we seem to have forgotten it. We've forgotten it in this country in, yeah. in a big, big way. Yeah. And, um, you know, we you're friends with uh, Dan Bongino and I listen to his show all the time. And, you know, he's been you know, he's been pushing and he does it fairly regularly that the people in the states need to realize this can happen anywhere. And I think this is just a perfect example. You know, Pensacola is not a huge town. Um, you know, we have three hundred and thirty thousand people in the county, 54 in the city. And it's, you know, but it can happen anywhere and it doesn't take a big plot like, you know, September 11th or anything like that. It's these small lone wolf actors uh, that can go in and do this damage. And if I can ask you a question, the the ones that were actually in the parking lot in the car watching this, and I think I'd even heard they were filming it on their phone. Yes. Nothing, nothing occurred to them because if they're out there watching and filming, then that tells me, they had knowledge that this was going to go down. Yeah, that was the ongoing question. And so they brought in a uh, commanding general for these guys. These were all lieutenant level, you know, they were uh, or whatever it yeah. is, uh, the ensign level, you know. They, ensign, they, yeah, the young guy, yeah. So they were, they, you know, they were uh, like 01 through 03 type ranks. I think they were all 01, 02 types. They were all 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, we, you know, we, we sort of joked, it was like, the worst thing that could happen for these guys is probably to go back to the Saudi kingdom and face whatever the Saudis were going to do, which was going to be far worse than anything we ever did, particularly because they endangered a contract that the Saudis rely on for this sort of training and this sort of money. There's a lot of money involved and none of those guys were important enough. But we found out many of them were here because they had family connections that were wealthy and connected. And I'm sure that was shame and dishonor brought upon them. Probably. Probably, but we actually didn't get anything. It kind of they kind of disappeared into the box. They left this country, and as you said, they took video. They took. Um, they were clearly joking about it. I, I I drove the vans 
over with uh, security personnel that took them from the mosque where they were hidden and we drove them, you know, they were uh, six or eight at a time and drove them over to another facility where they were going to be set up in new barracks by themselves where we could contain them and, and make sure that they weren't engaging with the rest of the population while we were deciding what to do. And this became a State Department issue. This became a DOD issue with the military and they negotiated for these guys to be sent back to Saudi Arabia. That was the end for us. There's obviously no prosecutions that anyone's ever heard of. Shooters dead on scene. Many people in America never heard of this again. It's why I'm bringing it up. I just think it's relevant. I'm really glad you reached out to me on Twitter as well and, and mentioned the anniversary. I, for some reason, was thinking it was in 2020, but it uh, it was actually in 2019. So that makes it the four-year anniversary. Yeah. And it, it, you know what a lifetime has, has passed since that time for me. Uh, and I'm sure for anybody who is involved in this, because a lot of these people are still recovering. We've got, if you want to put up the ABC article one more time, Ryan, and just kind of scroll through and just show some of the survivors. But eight different people had their life changed by that moment. I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah. And one of the guys that got injured was uh, uh, a, wrestling, a wrestling coach here in uh, Gulf Breeze, which is an adjoining city. Mm-hmm. And But my understanding is he's recovered. Uh, I remember there was a... Uh, a lady that was shot, she was in administration or something. Yep. Uh, I believe she recovered, but yeah, there, there were a lot of people affected by this. And, uh, but you know, Pensacola is a pretty resilient town. You know, we are a military town. Uh, we have been for a long time. We've gone through some, uh, you know, some really big hurricanes, um, you know, Ivan, a little bit of Katrina and some other ones. So, we're, we're pretty good, uh, you know, as a community to rally around each other and, you know, and just uh, take care of what we need to take care of. Yeah, it still would be nice to have a little bit more closure on what happened and what went on. And I, it's just sort of a, a crying shame that the, the feds, one, didn't share it, DOD didn't share it, and that this sort of training didn't uh, break out and, and continue to say, hey, let's make sure this never happens again. Obviously, it probably never happens again in the same place. They'll go find another spot. But uh, Steve, I'm really appreciative of you coming on. You're going to be on my Badland show, which I do with uh, Alpha Luna or Alpha Warrior. We do that uh, tomorrow. So we're going to talk cop stuff and stories, and we'll probably have a lighthearted conversation. But I'm sure we'll cover this in a little bit. So folks, if you want to join us for that. And uh, Steve, thanks for calling in on this one here today. And I'm really grateful to have your story. And thanks for helping me boost kind of awareness of the fact that this happened and many people forgot about it. Yes, sir. I appreciate the opportunity and I'll be glad to come back on anytime. Sounds good. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Like I said, on the Badlands show. Thanks so much. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, that is the story. That is the way that it works. That is the uh, that is the stuff that you guys don't know necessarily if you're not out there paying attention and eating every single bit of federal or of important news that comes out. And this one is such a big deal because it was neglected. It was forgotten. And like I said, the fact that nobody had heard it before, this will probably be news to some of you. I got a phone call at about a noon on the Saturday right afterwards. They had me on a plane by that night. I was there the next day, uh, and it may have been on a Sunday. They were, I mean, the FBI was scrambling. So for all of its talk about pre-crime and all of the surveillance capabilities they want to have, they missed the big ones. There are three people that died on that day and eight more that were wounded. That's 11 people that were shot by a foreign terrorist on foreign on American soil, on an American military base of all places, uh, in an American you know, uh, facility, and had access to buy firearms and was associated with Al-Qaeda. And that, to me, is very strange. Will you pull up that particular article real quick from Defense? 
uh, from defense.gov. Ryan, this is topic eight. If we can look at this, like they adjudicated this almost immediately. They found out, yes, this person was Al Qaeda associated. So were his buddies. Like I said, they deported all them on the orders of the Saudis there, uh, found it to be an act of terrorism. And they created new rules for military foreign students. You could have asked me back in 2009 and 2010 when I was on the Medina training annex at Lackland Air Force Base, which is a joint base. It has a lot of foreign military and has a lot of people that do the Air Force version of that same training. They're training out of, you know, uh, Pensacola, but they're also training out in San Antonio and they're running around in the city of San Antonio and they do not look like they belong there. They look absolutely absurd. It looks like we've given up areas of our military bases in order to just basically take on a bunch of money for the military industrial complex, for the uh, for the manufacturers of military technologies. It's an ongoing concern for those airmen that are there. And I don't think that we've necessarily fixed this. When I brought this up to my mother-in-law, she said, oh, is this the Fort Hood shooting? She didn't know the name of it, but she said, was this the like that psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever that was on Fort Hood? The answer is no. There have been a number of these types of attacks. We're showing some, some footage here of how they actually trained the way or they changed the way that they handled these foreign students. Will you keep scrolling through that, Ryan? Because there's a couple of other ones on there that are kind of interesting. You're just going to see some of the foreign uniforms that we would see. Some of them look very much like our own. But when you see men in full, like, raggedy beards, you know, and like I said, they're oftentimes wearing the sort of British-looking camouflage and holding hands with other men. That seems to be a big thing in the Islamic countries. Um, it's it's very bizarre for you to see that at home in what should be a safe area. And we always felt like there was a real problem this is one example of how that could. And we have let in now 100,000 Afghans, something to be worried about, something that is not over at all by any means. Um, I do want to uh, go back and I want to touch uh, on my buddies over at Patriot Cooler since I gave them short shrift. When the call came in, we went ahead and just ran to it because that's the right thing to do. This is a live show, folks, so it gets filmed live. We get it live to you when it's happening. You guys in the chat know it right now. I'm seeing the, the chat scrolling, and uh, it happens as it happens. So anyway, let's say thanks to Patriot Coolers again for for supporting us and for sponsoring us. This again, the 16-ounce tumbler on my desk that I've been sipping on with some coffee. You guys can check out PatriotCoolers.com. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. They have uh, updated themselves as a uh, just a a um, perennial sponsor. They they renew every single month now, and they have been with us for months and months, and we're really grateful for them. So as you guys are looking for stocking stuffers or for easy gifts that ship well, ship quickly from America with an American company based in Houston, Texas, you guys can do that. Go to patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle. You support military veterans with disabilities uh, that have been mostly service-connected. As far as I understand it, these are mobility guys that are trying to get in and out of their house. So I've got a couple of the 30-ounce tumblers. We've got the 20-ounce tumblers. We've got the 16. We've got the 19. I've got their uh, hard-sided 50-quart. Uh, I've got the uh, the soft. I've got all kinds of their products. They're all great. They all really are, are really good products. And you're supporting a good company that says Patriot on them, not anything else. So support our sponsors that support us. Ryan, should we should we dig into this uh, AOC thing and just just run through the end of this uh, this this one hour mark? Of course, man. <laughs> yeah, let's just do that. Let's just keep going, folks. We're going to continue on with a couple other things here. We are living in such an upside down world. We've forgotten terrorist attacks on our soil, and we're focused on things like this in America that make no sense. I have this topic entitled AOC doesn't know balls. I don't know why I thought that was funny, but that's that. just so you guys understand how I work when I write things down. That's the kind of stuff I said. This is a Fox News article stating if you're not watching on the Rumble, you're missing out on AOC claims women will face doctor's exams if biological men are barred from female sports. Apparently, she doesn't know how all of this works. I did have an unveiling that I promised on Ryan, so it's worth us doing that. They called uh, Riley Gaines, a swimmer who swam against that dude named Leah Thompson, uh, a uh, transphobe. This is uh, AOC, the squad member, saying the following. I'm just going to read direct quotes because I can't stand her saying it. I don't think I could tolerate hearing that. She said, we're talking about opening up all women and girls to genital examinations when they're underage, potentially because someone 
can point over and say, I don't think you're a girl. Okay, AOC. And then she goes on to say that we're saying that in an environment in the post-Dobbs America, of course, it always comes back to abortion for them, doesn't it? Where states are criminalizing access to abortion and want nothing more than data on women to figure out when and who is getting a menstrual cycle and who doesn't have one. We're supposed to believe this is going to make things better and safe for us? I think not. Per usual, I don't believe we're sitting here on a panel of men that have actually thought about the biology and the privacy consequences of all women, trans or cisgendered. Now, AOC is either mentally ill or uh, so ignorant that she cannot figure it out. She doesn't understand how you determine who's a boy and who's a girl. So we actually have some uh, scientific knowledge we'd like to queue up for you guys. You may have heard this earlier uh, this week, but this is still valuable. And if you didn't hear this, if you didn't grow up in the 80s and uh, weren't exposed to this very, very cutting edge science, we're going to do video number seven. I think, Ryan, you already know where we're going with this. Let's help out AOC understand how it works and that you can actually figure this stuff out without doing a general exam. Let's go ahead and run video number seven real quick. And so is mine. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. A lady. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. It does make me happy. Ryan just said it in the chat. This this song makes me happy. I love Mr. Rogers. What is wrong with this country? We need more Mr. Rogers. We need less <laughs> AOC who's confused. They're not growing up with Mr. Rogers. That's They're what's not. wrong with the country. And she's confused. She doesn't understand how it works. It turns out that your birth certificate is going to give a pretty good indication whether you're a, a boy or a girl. And girls grow up to be a lady. That's my other, I don't know why I like that. I like the way he I says thought it was it. your genitals. It's whatever your feelings are apparently in the oh, AOC it, world. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so why is all this fun? Um, uh, why is this a problem? Is this where we're going to go with this? Yeah. We're going to go to queue up yeah. this video, video number five. This is a woman who was testifying in front of court. So while Chris Ray is getting grilled, the same thing is happening over with this woman, last name graves. Let's bring her up video number five. They're radically interested in making sure that transgender kids have a, a fair right to, to lose with dignity or dominate the dominate the sports the way like Randy. Uh, what was that? What was it? What was it? Uh, on South park? Who, who are they, who are they doing? Macho man, Randy Savage. Randy, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm not here to talk about my transition. I'm not here to kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I think about transgender people losing with dignity, I almost always think about Randy Savage, the macho man dressed up like a lady, uh, a lady, as he just said. All right, let's go ahead and play this video of video number five. And then we're going to go into why this is so wild. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and, and discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully, 
and often they learn to win with dignity, hopefully. Um, they learn to do the sort of work that means you have higher grades and stay connected to school. I want every kid to have that chance, to have the chance to play. So I feel compelled to just end my testimony with a few ideas for the committee to pursue if it really wants to work on this issue. We could make it safer for student athletes who report harassment and sexual misconduct. We could address resource dis I'm not here to talk about my grades. I'm here to kick ass. <laughs> I think Ryan went and pulled that clip for me just because I love it so much. Do you have that thing ready to go, man? <laughs> Is that thing? I'm trying. I, I had it downloaded, but it's given us one of those ones where it won't let me download okay, it. Not, not a problem. <laughs> I just think I did my impression. It was good enough. Let me just say this. That is Fatima Goss Graves. And you're thinking, why do I know that last name Graves? That woman is married to the, the United States attorney for the District of D.C., who is in charge of the D.C. attorney's office that is prosecuting all the January Sixers. Did you know that, Ryan? That wacky. Oh, no, I did not. That wacky lady. That, that lady, lady is who seems like she might be on ecstasy because I've never. I, I'm going to use my microphone boomer right here. I've never seen anybody weave so strangely around in front of their microphone and just be shaking her head like she looks like she's either on a drug or she is sitting on some sort of a vibrating pillow that is making it very fun for her to be there. That lady, radical leftist lunatic that wants women to just learn how to lose with dignity because dudes are involved in the race, whether it be powerlifting or hitting the ball out of the park in softball or any of the other crazy things that are going on when you start putting biological boys or men into female sports. You want to run what it looks like? What does it look like? It looks something like this. This is what we're worried about. Trans friends who are athletes, and so we're all inspired this woman's competing. Uh-huh. And uh, have you actually ever met Heather Swanson? Uh, no, I've never competed against her before. No. She's not exactly your average trans athlete. Well, what is an average trans athlete? Honestly, I find that kind of bigoted, David. Okay. Heather Swanson is actually joining us now. Miss Swanson, how does it feel to be competing today? <laughs> I can't tell you how free I feel now that I've started identifying as a woman. Now that I can compete as female, I'm ready to smash the other girls. And is it correct you just started identifying as female two weeks ago? I'm not here to talk about my transition. I'm here to kick some fucking ass. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Dingleberry. David Perry. I'm going to roll up the other women here, and I'm going to smoke them. I am the strongest woman this state has ever seen. Any words for the challenge? <laughs> it's so good. I've never saw that. That's so good. Have you never seen that before? Never. Oh, God. Never. It's, been my it's day. overwhelming. Sorry. Okay, folks. That's the one. That's what it's about. That's. I love that he calls it. It seems like Dingleberry. It's even like a male way of going after an insulting guys because he's a beta. Oh, it's so funny. That's what we're talking about. You want your women, you want your female friends that are athletes that have worked their butts off to be great. I mean, Riley Gaines, I can imagine, is probably a complete stud. I used to swim with some of the best swimmers in the world. Literally, I swam with the best swimmers in the world. They were they were stud athletes. My prom date when I was 18 years old was the female athlete of the year for the entire state of Texas across all sports. Her name was Dallas Marshall. She's an absolute sweetheart. Uh, and she was a stud. She was a professional swimmer. She swam for USA Swimming. She was a uh, she was a contender for the Olympic challenge for the uh, Olympic trials, um, Pan Am Games. Went around the world, swam. 
you know, just absolutely outstanding athlete. And I had a number of friends that were like that. My my team that I swam with when I was in Dallas was full of f- female studs, of which I was like a Rudy. I was like, I was lucky to be in the water with most of these people. They outclassed me so much. But none of them were even close to going after like a Michael Phelps. They just, they're not in the same league. Male swimmers and female swimmers, male powerlifters and female powerlifters is not the same animal. So anyway, that Randy... That Randy Savage impersonation is one of the best South Park episodes. If you guys have never seen it before, now you have. Your life is better off knowing that. And interestingly enough, how many? Go ahead. How many females were in your uh, Marine class that you went to? Marine class, or the uh, oh my, the, the advanced the training, training you went to? Yeah, the training I did in the Air Force. None, of course. So my buddies were involved in this as well. That's the other funny thing. They actually did studies. The military has done this pretty pretty long form. They evaluate. Uh, enlisted airmen in, in special operations against enlisted airmen who are um, not in special operations and then enlisted air women, I guess you would call them. Uh, they did this this breakdown and it looks like this. Like here's all the women in in the kind of cluster with a couple of overlaps, some outstanding performers. And they did push-ups, sit-ups, running, uh, carrying heavy things, weird weightlifting stuff, climbing ropes, uh, swimming in long distances, like all kinds of wild stuff. All right, so they did all this kind of wild things, and they found striations. It was all the women were in one big cluster with a couple of overlaps. All the men were in the next cluster with a couple of overlaps. All the special operators were in a cluster with basically no overlaps. That's that's just what it looks like. Like, there are elite people, and elite men and elite women are not even on the same playing field. It's not even fair. It's not even righteous. So, anyhow, now you guys have heard that. But the thing to me that's most interesting is, is that the— uh, the United States Attorney for the District of D.C., the one that is responsible for all the J6 political prosecutions, has this lady uh, in the House with him. And I just it just tells you, like, they push on every single front. They are radicals. They're totally nuts. Totally bizarre. All right. With all that being said, and uh, with our, we got to we got to do a South Park. We got to do a Mister Rogers. We got to have in a a first person uh, account of going into a terrorist attack. That's that's a pretty full show for the day. Did we miss anything on this, Ryan? That I that I didn't bring up. No, man. I think we crushed it. Well, maybe Mike Johnson. If you want to go off on Mike Johnson, we could go off on this just for a second. So this is also worth noting. There's a big fear right now. You have a meme. You want pull the meme up? That's what we got derailed on. There's a meme that got sent to me by one of my buddies. I actually found this really hilarious. Um, This, if you're not seeing it on the Rebel Channel, you're missing out on like the sort of NPC that we keep talking about. It's that leftist that kind of smirks, and he's talking to a uh, to the like the classic conservative Nordic man. So beard, my haircut, kind of thing, the mustache. And, he, and uh, the, the leftist says, you're a Christian and you want our nation to be Christian. So I'll call you a Christian nationalist. And uh, the guy who looks like the Nordic man, he says, uh, dude, that's awesome. You know, because it is like, yeah, sure. A Christian nationalist. They actually think that's an insult. And I find it to be funny. I had somebody on Twitter bring it up and said the exact same thing to me. Like, oh, like, why do you think being uh, the, the country is moving more and more secular? Is it, though? I mean, that's really the problem. That's why the FBI is able to go after Catholics or thought they were able to without this backlash. It turns out the Christian is overwhelmingly or Christians overwhelmingly are in this nation. And most people are overwhelmingly Christian, whether you agree with it or not. Almost all the values, almost all the things that you believe are necessary for a Western democracy come out of Christianity. And so the follow up to the meme is, guys, did you hear that? We're called Christian nationalists now. He's going back and telling all his bros. All his bros look like him. All the bros are doing the same thing. Quite funny. And um and it's relevant because this just happened on Bill Maher. Bill Maher is kind of like a good sign of the times of where like sort of medium medium leftists are going. And he brought this guy on. This is uh, this is James Carville, known as the Raging Cajun. He's a Democrat strategist. He's a little hard to understand if you're not from Louisiana, if you're not listening to that kind of thing on a regular basis. He's wearing a pink 
United States Marine Corps sweatshirt. I don't know if it's a female sweatshirt or it's a dude one because the Marine Corps is pushing these values. But interestingly, if Carville's wearing this, I, I had to look it up. I'm like, is he really even a Marine? He served in the Marine Corps in 1966 to 1968. So, um, you know, that was 60 years ago. That's how long ago he was a Marine for two years in the stateside, pre-Vietnam. And he's wearing that on, on national television. Kind of strange. This is his take on Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House. I, I'm still conflicted about about this whole scenario. But let's run this video. Let's let you guys decide. Video three. Let's let's see what he has to say. Well, first of all, I don't think he can hold his party together. Second of all, you're exactly right. Mike Johnson and what he believes is one of the greatest threats we have today to the United States. And when I'm talking about the policy, I know these people. Well, you're talking about Christian nationalism. Absolutely. This is a a bigger threat than al-Qaeda to this country. They And let me tell you something. They're Speaker of the House. They got probably at least two Supreme Court justices, maybe more. Right? Don't kid yourself. And, and people in the press have no idea who this guy is, how he was formed, what the threat is. And this is a fundamental threat to the United States, it is a fundamental, they don't believe in the Constitution. But he does. I just need a minute to digest what that was. That was one of the dumbest things we've ever heard. That is a fundamental threat to the United States. That's a fundamental threat to the Constitution. That is a fundamental threat that uh, people don't understand. It's worse than Al-Qaeda. Did you catch all those things? We just told you today about what the Al-Qaeda threat looked like four years ago that you're not even hearing about. And meanwhile, they're giving mainstream media attention to Mike Johnson's Christian nationalism. Has Mike Johnson gone on a uh, military base and shot 11 people, killing three of them, including U.S. service members? Did that happen? On Was that a Mike Johnson thing? Have Christian nationalists done that? Did they fly planes into uh, buildings? Did they hijack things? Did they basically ruin Americans' sense of, of a free movement around this country for the last 20-something years? Have they helped weaponize the FBI by creating the Patriot Act because of the attacks that they did and, and moved things forward? Yeah. Did our, did our deep state and our administrative state move that along? They did. But you're gonna tell is me, George Bush Christian? I don't know. I assume so. <laughs> uh, my dad actually used to work for George Bush. Said he's a really nice guy uh, as a human being. It's very confusing to me that we've got characters like James Carville, who people take seriously, for better or for worse, he's taken seriously, and he just said that Christian nationalism is a bigger threat. Will you play? I'll tell you what I think the threat is because it all kind of ties together for us. Uh, we got video number four. This is Mike Johnson talking. This is the threat to me is that he's just not going to do what he said he was going to do. I got a big problem with that. His Christian nationalism, I think, is probably going to make this country better off. But video number four bothers me. So let's run that and then we'll close this thing out. The release of the January 6th tapes is in a critical and important uh, exercise. We want transparency. We should demand that the American people do. We trust, House Republicans trust the American people to draw their own conclusions. We should not, they should not be dictated by some narrative and accept that as fact. So they can review the tapes themselves. Uh, we're going through a methodical process of releasing them as quickly as we can. As you know, we have to blur some of the faces of persons who uh, participated in, in, uh, in the events of that day because we don't want them to be retaliated retaliated against and, uh, and, and and to be charged by the DOJ and, and to have other, uh, you know, concerns and problems. So uh, that's a slow process to get it done. We're working steadily on it. We've hired additional personnel to do that. And uh, all of those tapes ultimately at the end will, will be out so everybody can see them and draw. No, no to all of that. Are you kidding me, Mike Johnson? Don't blur out faces. Don't do anything. Just put it out there. Let the people deal with it. If you think that the DOJ doesn't have access to the footage anyway, you're you're a clown show.
That is not a good answer. That is a bad answer. That is a big threat when you promise something and then you don't do it. And I just had him throw it on the screen. I just made uh, 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 <laughs> Eric J Jason didn't know that he was about to be famous on this one. But uh, Johnny Dangerously is one of my favorite movies from the 80s and nobody's ever heard of it. So that is why that is why Eric Jason runs our fan club and our, our Suspendables group. You guys didn't know that. He runs our Suspendables group on True Social because he loves Johnny Dangerously too. You never trust a man who whose last name is an adverb. There's some line to that effect in there. One of the great, um, one of the great Michael Keaton movies that's ever been done. And none of you guys know what it is. So it's so good. It's so good. Johnny Dangerously. Go watch Johnny Dangerously. We're talking about stuff from the 80s that's good. Mr. Rogers and Johnny Dangerously. Okay. Um, that that's the real problem. It's not Christian nationalism. As somebody just mentioned in the chat, the founding fathers were Christian nationalists. Yeah, you're damn right they were. That's not going to be the problem. People who love their neighbor and love their enemy as themselves, that's going to be the people you're scared of? Give me a break. How about the guy that comes into our country and shoots up a naval base? Let's be let's let's call threats what they are, but the radical left can't be honest about it and they're going to be ignoring it. Go out there and remember that four years ago, we lost lives on a naval air station because of bad policies and people not paying attention because of bad vetting. And then also just keep your head on a swivel. Things are going to get spicy in this country. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And if you are not paying attention, then you are waiting to be a victim. Um, we do appreciate uh, Steve Sharp from joining us earlier today, and we'll have more of him. Like I said, go to the Badlands show. Let's do a couple of thank yous. Let's do a thank you here. There he is. There's the picture of him. What a stud-looking guy, too, right? Like That dude looks like a formidable warrior that has not let it go. It doesn't matter your age. You're always responsible for your own safety. Uh, let's do the, the last of our little thank yous here. Let's thank Catholic Vote. There they are, Catholic Vote, America's top advocacy group in the fight for faith, family, and freedom, and they are holding the FBI accountable through FOIAs. They are working with Judicial Watch. You guys can sign up for The Loop, which is the best couple minutes that you will spend every morning. I got mine at 6.30 this morning, so they must have been behind the, the curve. Uh, check out The Loop by going to their main page. You can either just click on it or you can sign up. You can sign up by putting your email address in and call and hit loop me in. But uh, tons of great stuff, including that testimony out of uh, Riley Gaines. You can donate to them on the top right-hand side. You guys can just hit the give button. It's a green button there. Allows you to give a one-time gift or a reoccurring monthly donation. If you want to support our show, that actually might be one of the best ways to do it because they are a single, the single biggest sponsor for this show, and they allow us to keep doing it and letting, letting the information flow. I mean, you're not censored in any way, shape, or form. They've never told me what I can or can't say. Uh, I don't think they even know what I say. And uh, that's nice. I know that we have the same values, though, because I've talked to the president of that organization a number of times. So support Catholic Vote. You can support the O'Boyle Family Sweatshop. We didn't talk about it yesterday. Got this guy on right now. This is the, uh, there it is. There, scroll down. It's actually that shirt. It's the suspendable or die. It's actually one of my favorite logos. We may have to make it part of the Kyle Serafin Show logo. It's the snake, either join or die. This is uh, coming back on the Revolutionary War time. But uh, yeah, suspendable or die is the shirt of the day. As you see, it's got the Betsy Ross logo that we have for the suspendables. You can pick up any of these things. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. We'll save you 10% going to the O'Boyle Family Sweatshop. And uh, I gave him a day off yesterday without promoting him because we buried him on Friday. You guys buried him. We, I think they had their single biggest day, bigger than the, the first month, was just like the day Friday. He's just getting crushed, which is fantastic. Keep Garrett O'Boyle busy. If he's making shirts, he's not going to be angry. And then you guys can also support the show by going to MyPillow.com slash Kyle. You get all their deals that they go on right now. They got a deal on towels, a deal on sheets. Use the promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. It's the same as anybody else's promo code. All the promo codes will get you the same deal, but only one of them will support the Kyle Serafin Show, K-Y-L-E, MyPillow.com slash Kyle. Did we miss anything? I feel like this is one of those days where I got thrown off because the phone call came in and I wasn't ready for it. I was ready to dial that phone out, just so you guys know. That's how I feel every day, right after we start. 
Yeah, like, well, that's because I, I just go off the rails the minute that we start. Folks, if you don't understand this, Ryan and I get together for two hours, we prep the show, we get it ready to go, and then I tell him what it's going to look like, and then immediately I start changing things up. As soon as the button goes live, I'm like, screw it, send it. So if you're not following Ryan, follow Ryan at Ryan Matta Media on Twitter. You can follow him at Ryan Matta, M-A-T-T-A, on True Social. You can see his LFA TV show, which will be on at 2 Eastern Time on Rumble here. And if you are joining us on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin, make sure you've hit the like button before you leave. Let's go ahead and do a five-star review and thank all of you. We continue to grow and the rankings on Apple Podcasts because of reviews like Bob Wick's review, five stars, a must-listen-to show. I make Kyle's show part of my daily routine, great guests, and content. That's what we got for you today. That's all we're offering. Thanks so much, Bob Wicks, for uh, for the five-star review. We look forward to reading yours on when you go to the link that is in the show description below. Go ahead and just click through. Type whatever it is you feel. Send some funny things. Make a joke. I'll read it. I like reading the jokes. I never know what they're going to be in the morning, and I just go in order. Uh, unless you say something too crude or, in a, or too offensive, we will uh, we will read it on the show, and you will get to be momentarily famous to all of the Suspendables fan club here. Folks, we'll see you again tomorrow. I hope you have a wonderful day. Keep your head on the swivel. Like I said, uh, remember those victims of that shooting today because it's important. And God bless you and God bless America. And uh, God keep us safe through all these trying times. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.